Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. And he's old. And I'm young. But we're both cute. You're listening to a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host, Nick Scopes. And the Gregolicious. You know how we do, because you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. About get jitty, because you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah, because this unhinged comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready, because we about to get it popping. We ain't stopping. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I am Greggy from the block. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> and our guest today, I had a feeling she's from the South Bronx. I thought I knew she was gonna like our intro song. We've I've never seen anyone vibe that hard with it. Which is interesting because you're a new mother and you said you have no energy, but that song brought it out, (laughs) which I'm very excited about. Our guest today is Gina Brion. Oh, beautifully done. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know how you guys got Fat Joe to do your intro song, but uh, (laughs) I'm a fan. That that was a knock. That was. You liked it? Awesome. Oh, We've been trying good. to like change it, but we think it's, I mean, people like it, I guess. So we'll just it's, keep I it. I like it a lot. And I like the way that you come in all NPR mellow, like after that like, <laughs> rap song, you're just like, so like chill. Like I expected like some sort of hot 97 yelling DJ to come back. And like, yeah. nah, fuck I'm, master flex with the sirens. No, <laughs> I'm just going to hit the bombs every time. Beep, 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 beep. I, can I explain to you how many times I've listened to fuck master flex in my car? as like a teenager and he would drop bombs and do the the sirens and the anger that would come out of me like he's just ruining so i don't know if anyone else feels like this yeah oh my god i'm trying to see if i have any bombs on this deck what do we have here that's crap we have a soundboard yeah we have a soundboard nice (laughs) yeah gotta, gotta put some in so where what part of the bronx are you from I'm from the South Bronx. South, South. South Bronx. South uh, Bronx. All the way down by the water. Yeah, I actually am. Um, both of my parents are from the Bronx, but from the, the Pelham Country Club side. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> I, you know, they're Italian. <laughs> you don't say. Shocker. <laughs> Who would have thought, dude? <laughs> That never happens. Italians from Pelham? I yeah. don't understand. Yeah, yeah it's no, crazy, right? No. <laughs> and I'm from Amerindic. I'm from Westchester, too. So, oh, I used to live up in Yonkers. Did you? I used to be Bayou, Westchester. Throwing up yeah. W's and stuff. So, Gina, what's been going on? What are you up to? I know you're a new mom. So. I am. Brand spanking new. Well, he's six months old, so I don't know if that's an old baby in new mom terms. <laughs> <laughs> But to me, everything is still new. So oh, yeah. I am still brand spanking new at this mom stuff, probably messing stuff up every day. Uh, but he's amazing. I, lo- I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love to be pregnant, which a lot of women don't like hearing. Really? I Why had did the you... dopest pregnancy ever. What made really? it dope? What, what, made, what made it good? 
um, a lot of things. I think one, because I never got any kind of morning sickness, none whatsoever. Um, and that's because, I mean, if I thought, if I even thought it was going to make me sick, I wouldn't eat it. Like, right. that's just what it was. I was like, oh, the thought of black beans makes me nauseous. I'm not going to go ahead and eat black beans because yeah, I'm yeah. probably going to throw them up. And so I just would stay away from anything that if I thought of it made me go ill. And it was so easy. And I know not every woman like has that. I'm not trying to say like every woman's pregnancy would be that easy. So calm down. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like oh, other calm. pregnant women hear this and be like, well, it must be nice for you. Did you know not everybody has that same kind of <laughs> I know. And I'm sorry, I'm God's favorite. <laughs> that was just one of the things that made my pregnancy amazing and the other thing was i just the lack of a sh like i didn't give a shit like i was like i knew i was gonna get big i'm like i'm gonna get big i'm gonna have a belly and i think um that can make so many women self-conscious right. you know i think a lot my sister was went through it when she was pregnant she didn't want any pictures taken of her she was like super self-conscious about her body um and for me i was like look at this belly like <laughs> I was amazed by it every day that it got bigger. Like now I'd like this to go away. But when I was pregnant, I was like, this is amazing. Like, you have that picture like from the first time you like rested a plate on it and ate dinner off your belly. Like, no, I wish. Oh, man. I wish. I, one of my friends is pregnant right now and she just got to that point. And I saw on her Instagram the other day that it was the, she's literally sitting on her couch and she has a plate of like lasagna just uh, sitting on the top of her belly. Like I have finally reached the goal. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I would have done that. That I wish I would have done that. And I wish I would have done one of those naked pictures where you're just showing off your belly. Yeah. She did like, that too. Oh, look at my belly. <laughs> I wish I would have done that picture. Nah, <laughs> well, whatever. your next, your next go around. <laughs> Is this? Are you guys one and done? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm tapping out of the baby making game. Okay, that's it. Now, Is did it you have done? any? Did you have any weird cravings while you're pregnant? I always ask women that. I'm always interested. They weren't weird, but like the thing I craved the most. That what's weird is the thing I craved the most during pregnancy. Once my son was born, I am now allergic to. What? She's like the weirdest thing. It was eggs. Really? I, yeah. I wow. developed an egg allergy because of all the hormonal changes, you know, throughout pregnancy, I guess. But when I was pregnant, it was all I wanted to eat. All I wanted to eat was eggs. And I used to love eggs before then, but like every day, all I wanted was like a bacon egg and cheese. Bacon oh, egg and cheese. So like now you're allergic to like anything with eggs in it? Um, it seems to just be eggs. I went to an allergist because I started having like all these like weird like things with I ate eggs and I got really sick to my stomach and I thought it was the oil that I used, right. but it turns out eggs are just now one of my new allergies along with like a list of other things. And so I was like, Oh, yay, wow. motherhood fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm, yay, I'll just have to eat something different now. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's grape. I can't eat any fucking eggs. <laughs> yeah. So great. Thank you for taking away that joy. <laughs> when you, when he's older, you just got to hold it over him. Yeah. So when he's like 16 and starts giving you shit and be like, yeah, I can't eat eggs anymore. Okay. <laughs> As I make him a plate of scrambled eggs, I'm like, yeah. enjoy them. <laughs> you, enjoy the eggs I can't have. You can be making these like flourless cakes. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making, making him pay with birthday cakes that are impossible like, to eat. Your fault. <laughs> so, so you, you gave, so you, the baby was born in, in, end of the spring right like june july he was born in july july so 12th what 
Uh, so that's a few months before the whole quarantine happened. Were you still out doing shows towards that um, part of your pregnancy? Yeah, I was. I was planning on working up until like 30 weeks. Right. And then um, just before I hit 30 weeks was when everything kind of shut down. Right. And um, I remember I was in Vermont uh, and I was doing a, a club that's no longer there anymore in Vermont. And we did one show. And I said, hey, are we good for like the whole weekend? And my, my girlfriend had driven up and she was like just spending time. I was pregnant. So she was taking care of me and helping me out. And like, he was like, yeah, we're good for the whole weekend. The very next day at like noon, he called me and he was like, yeah, I dropped off your check. We're being shut down. Essentially, everybody's being shut down and sent home. And yeah. I was like, cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> I guess I'll just leave then. So I spent like one more day in Vermont and then my girlfriend was nice enough to drive me home so that I didn't have to get on an airplane because we were both kind of like, I'm like super pregnant. (laughs) So let me not chance it. But yeah, that was, that was probably the biggest bummer for a lot of comics. I think was the amount of work that you lost because I was also supposed to go back on tour with Gabriel and that got canceled. The entire tour got canceled. Um, so that was a bummer because he's one of my favorite people to work with and touring is just so much fun. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work, but I was really looking forward to being pregnant and being on tour and like taking those pictures and having people be like, Oh my God, you're so crazy. You were still working. And now I have <laughs> pictures on my couch. <laughs> so like what has, did being pregnant come into your act? Like how much did it influence what you were like writing about and, and work. And then now, like, is it, is it impacted your writing and, and performing? Yeah, 100% it has. Um, because I think I write about life. So when my life changes, I have to write about what that change has affected. And, you know, being pregnant during a pandemic and having a baby during a pandemic, during a quarantine is like, I mean, just saying the phrase is nuts saying the phrase sounds like a horror movie that you'd buy tickets to but like the fact that I I went through it you know it's gonna be a part of my act now because it has to be you know it has to be talking about what motherhood what motherhood is like in general how my views have changed and what starting motherhood in a pandemic was like right and what what was it like like how did that whole baby like birthing experience go like oh it was terrible I had a I had a completely shit doctor I'm not even gonna lie. My doctor was trash. Really? I hope you hear this. You are trash, doctor. <laughs> doctor that delivered my baby. My son is awesome. You are hot garbage on a plate of poop. Why do you uh, suck? Um, this happens to a lot of women. I wasn't listened to. Um, all of my requests were pretty much ignored by the doctor. Uh, at times when I would scream out in pain, he would yell at me to stop screaming. Ugh. Like, it was like no bedside manner, no nothing. There was no care or concern for my comfort level, nothing. And I'm like, this guy does this for a living. Like, and I'm the type, I get the type of angry. I have that Latina angry rage where I was like, can you just take him out back and just shoot him right in the face? Because I really don't ever want to see this guy again. <laughs> like, can somebody just like, you know, like mobster take care of this guy? Like, just take him out. Like, he doesn't deserve to do this ever again. He does, definitely doesn't, shouldn't be delivering babies. Like, 100% should not be delivering babies. Like, it's time to retire. I mean, my son is freaking the dopest kid on the planet. Like, he's amazing. I love him to pieces. He's so beautiful. But for, and this happens so much to women. And I had no idea. 
I had no idea how much, how like um, regular this is. Like when I would talk about how bad my experience was, there were other women that were like, oh yeah, we'll listen to this. Like I had a similar experience and this woman like felt un- like that she wasn't listened to. So it's a bigger problem than people really acknowledge. Yeah, and yeah. it sucks because you're in such an emotional state. Like yeah, all you want to do is punch them right in the face for ruining this moment you're like you just blew my moment like this is such a huge moment and now i hate thinking about that moment because of everything that happened right um so maybe one day he'll get punched in the face by like an angry dad like that'll be (laughs) that'd be my dream it's like i see on the news that somebody punched him in the face just by coincidence and i'm like yeah i know that asshole (laughs) were you in the hospital for like did they just get you in and then out because I, I had some friends that gave birth during the pandemic and yeah. it was like they came in, gave birth, they sent the mom home, kept the baby for like two days and then they had to go back and get the baby. I couldn't wait to leave. They, I mean, I, they did pretty much usher you out. Like it was like you gave birth and pretty much the the next day, I think. Yeah. I was like pretty much out the next day. Um, but it was, you know after constant checks, after constant tests, you know, you know, to make sure that I was okay, that the baby was okay. Um, but the whole process to me of the whole labor process went pretty quickly, although it was like insane. It went pretty quickly to me. It was a couple of hours and I, and I felt like, Oh, that was it. It was a couple of hours. Okay. I was afraid I was going to have one of those stories where I was like, I was giving birth for two days. <laughs> but no, he was like, I'm out. <laughs> he was saying, he's like, I'm sorry, Even mom. Even your son knew. Your son was like, this doctor sucks. We're going to get you out of here. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Mom. I'm going to go help my mother. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So let, let, can we, let, let's talk a little bit about how you got kind of started in comedy, right? So you got started pretty young, right? As a teenager. Yeah, I was about 17, 17. or 18. Yeah. So, 17 because I did my first show in my high school in front of the theater that we did we performed all our plays at with a hairbrush that was my first like stand-up routine because my my friends were like hey do some stand-up for us because they knew i was obsessed with comedy right and they were like dude you should do some comedy for us right now so it was like stupid jokes like i'm like holding a hairbrush that's totally gross it has like hair sticking out of it and I'm just talking into it like it's a microphone. And I'm like, did you guys see what Mr. Fine did in sixth period? Like, it's like <laughs> dumb stuff like that where you're like, <laughs> super um, specific. <laughs> yeah, just super specific to my group of friends and to like, you know, what we what we knew. And that and even then when I did that, I did such a vivid memory for me because it was like, oh, I'm getting to do stand up because I was always the funny kid in like musical theater and drama or I was amongst the funny kids because I remember all of my high school friends being just hilarious. There are all these like um, Italian and Puerto Rican like um, drama and musical theater students that all had jokes. They were just so hilarious to me because they had that sort of dark you know kind of for young kids I remember our sense of humor is being pretty dark all of us right. there's also the beginning of super tolerant like um high schools like we had an LGBTQ like a uh, club wow. when I was younger in my high school which really was something so different to have but I went to school um I went to high school at Lehman which was which is in um Throg's Neck Right. or thug's neck yeah. <laughs> um and that was <laughs> over in thug's neck uh and that was a heavy like it was a pretty mixed school but it was a lot of like italian 
kids in that school. And I, I think that's where I fell in love with that sort of that culture and the Italian American culture and how brazen and how bold they can be. Because it reminded me of people I grew up with. I was like, oh, y'all are just like light-skinned Puerto Ricans. <laughs> and some of y'all not even light-skinned. <laughs> so, yeah, it, right? yeah. It was it was a lot, it was a lot of that like growing up. And I just I loved making people laugh. Like I just I fell in love with it at 14 and it's been my favorite thing ever since. To this day, I'm a comedy nerd. I still love watching comedy specials. When somebody's asking me for advice and they're like, can I send you a clip? I'm like, absolutely. I love watching comedy. Please send me a clip. Even if it's painfully bad, at least I get to like, I can now watch it and like sort of like a doctor would break something down. I can break down what's wrong with the set because- now I, I know more about comedy than I did back then, but now yeah, Nick, Nick is definitely going to send you a couple of his painfully bad sets. <laughs> Feel free, Nick. I will. Seriously, we could talk after, but I want to talk real quick. You're talking about like how Italians and Puerto Ricans and the Bronx, and it's just like a different whatever. So quick story. <clears throat> my father, it was like Christmas and we were driving to my aunt's house in Long Island. She lived in New Hyde Park. And mm-hmm. for some reason, we were driving right through the Bronx. It took us this weird way. And around, my father grew up in Mamaroneck in Westchester. We're driving side of the road. There's like neon lights that say like this motel. And it's like next to this bar. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And my dad looks, he goes, ah, I remember that place. And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, and I go, why were you in the Bronx? He goes, Nicholas, I've told you, I like specific type of women, dark hair dark skin, Puerto Rican, Jewish, Italian. They're all here. And he got so fired up and pumped up. <laughs> I just couldn't believe how he was so enthralled with like the dark hair and dark skin. He's like the Bronx. That's where we used to go. And he went on this rant for 20 minutes and I was like, it's Christmas, man. I don't want to hear about who you bang in the 70s. That is <laughs> like, hilarious. Just strange. And very accurate though. <laughs> at least he True. knew where to find at least he knew where to find us. Yeah, he knew where to find us. <laughs> so what he like, definitely did. It, you were, if 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 you've been hooked since you're 14, right? So like what first hooked you? Like what did you see first? Um, like, oh, this is Fred Butler. Brett Butler, her her stand-up special I saw was Brett Butler sold out. Right. That was the first Brett Butler special I ever saw. And I fell in love with it. Like the second I saw her, I immediately, I mean, I loved everything about it. I loved how she was this beautiful Southern woman who was controlling this room full of people with just her wit. Yeah. With just her sarcasm and her bits and her stories and it just it pulled me in like I sat there it's you know you have these moments when you look back at the timeline of your life and you you have these big moments that sort of stick out to you you know we don't remember half the stuff we should but we have these big moments and that's one of those moments where I remember just being glued to the television and knowing in my heart I was like this that's what I want to do for the rest of my life (laughs) and I was like I don't even know what it is I had no real clue or idea what stand-up comedy was right I had heard of it but I was like I don't know how to do that but I just knew it I was like I fell in love the second I saw it I loved everything about it. I loved that she was making a room full of people laugh. I loved that unlike, you know, women I had grown up watching on like Latino television, um, I was like, oh, she's wearing all of her clothes and making them laugh. 
because growing up watching <laughs> Latino television, it was like women were either scantily clad, they were dressed like these little hoochies, right. or they were legitimately dressed as clowns. And that's how they got laughs. Like that's what you would see. Right. And so um, seeing this woman who was just smart and entertaining and funny and just just like all these things and sarcastic and at 14 getting her sense of humor, like just laughing at what she was saying. I was just like, this is what I wanna do forever. And I don't know how to start and I don't know how to do it, but I, I'm going to do it. I think it's the most determined I've ever been in my life was the second I saw that. I was like, oh. I don't know how I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna do that for the rest of my life. So then how'd you wind up doing it? My mom, um, I, I mean, I was obsessed with comedy. My mom knew I was obsessed with comedy. I started watching everything comedy related because like a month after I had seen Brett Butler, I saw uh, George Lopez for the first time on a show that I can't remember if it was called Que Loco or Risas y Mas Risas. It was one of those two, it was on the Spanish channel and my mom would watch them and the comics were in English. So it's not like I was gonna have a problem because at the time my Spanish was crap. Um, uh, it's less than crap now. Um, it's less crap now, not 100% where I want it to be, but less crap now. But I was glad that I got to see these comics and that she let me watch them. And once I saw George Lopez too, I was just like, here was somebody from uh, not my exact culture, but someone from my background talking about things that I at least knew of, I was at least aware of. Right. And I just felt so connected to his comedy and to Brett's comedy. And then through them, I discovered other comedians. You know, I became a huge George Carlin fan and he's hands down my favorite comedian ever. And I am nothing like him, uh, <laughs> which I love. I love the fact that I can have a comic that I'm so, I, mean, I absolutely love his work, but that I'm nothing like, yeah. I'm nothing like him at all in my writing and anything I want to talk about, nothing like him, but I literally could sit and watch a marathon of George Carlin specials and just be like, I'm not worthy. Right. Uh, and I mean, I watched every comic under the sun. I watched all the Georges, Carlin, Burns, Lopez, uh, Lily Tomlin. I watched. Uh, People don't know that Lily Tomlin's first name is really George. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that here first. later. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lily Tomlin, Kathleen Madigan. I watched. Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho was another impactful comedian that I watched. And I just, I did her podcast not too long ago and I got to tell her the story of like one of my favorite specials of hers is uh, I'm the one that I want. It's the right. one, first special I believe that she ever did. And that was another one, just a power, a, like a, just a powerhouse of a, a female figure, just like this bold, funny woman. And I loved her show, All American Girl. I watched all the comedian-based sitcoms, all right. of them, because I, I wanted, to, I was like, how do I how do I do this? Like, how do I just learn? I wanted so much information. And that's, to this day, I'm the same way. Like, if a comic comes up with a new special, I'll watch it and I'll, I'll sit there if I like it or don't like it. I'll give it at least five minutes, depending right. on the comic. <laughs> well, nowadays, you got lots of uh, stuff to watch. I mean, every day there's a special. Yeah, that's a bit disheartening sometimes. Cause I feel like the market gets watered down, you know, um, by, by something like that. Like, you know, when the, when the market's so like, when it's so flooded with comedy, a lot of, you lose a lot of gems in the sea of comedy because, you know, you'll see two or three specials that don't hit for you. And then you'll just give up on the rest. Cause you're like, ah, oh, the other ones I haven't watched and you'll miss like a really good one. Right. Yeah. You know, I can't remember the comic's name, but I was watching one special and I watched the whole thing and I was like, I mean, I guess that was okay, but I feel like I was missing something. And it wasn't that it was missing something. It's that 
I didn't realize that this comic throughout the whole hour special only told one story. Right. And when I went back and I watched it, I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. This was an hour long story. So it's like one of those things too, where, you know, you might miss something if you don't just find it funny the first time. And you, you know, you have to go back and watch it to catch the little idiosyncrasies to really put the whole story together. So it's my son. He's a pig. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Okay. <laughs> what, um, what do you think of, of how Netflix put out some last year that were like, I don't know if the degenerates were 15 minute spots or the standups. One of the, the I can't remember if they were both or if one it, of them was a little bit longer. But I mean, uh, I always look forward to new comedy projects because I get to see people that I don't know or right. I get to see my friends, yeah. which is great. Um, I think some of them hit, some of them didn't. You know, what do you think like about that format though of just 15 minutes. I think it's a wonderful opportunity, right, for a lot of people to get their first 15 minutes on. TV or on a platform like Netflix, like I think it's a wonderful opportunity for a lot of comics because when you there's not much you used to be able to do with 15 minutes. You couldn't even be a feature with 15 yep. minutes. You would have to be an opener, like or the host. Yeah. So I think um, people that and the comics, a lot of the comics that they had do these 15 minute sets were headlining comedians already. Right. So the only thing I wish is that they would have gone to or at least done a few with like comics that were sort of not just starting out, but in the right place to get that 15 minutes there yeah. so that when they get to that next level, it's like, Oh, now they have a half hour. Oh, now they have an hour, you know? Um, but I see the mean, you know, the, the uh, brains behind it, you know, if you put a headlining comic on for 15 minutes and people love them so much that you can now give them a half hour and then possibly an hour. Yeah, of course. That's a great relationship to establish, but I love seeing when like comedians win. Yeah, I'm like the worst hater ever. I can't, I can't, I can't hate on you unless I, unless I really don't like you as a human being. Right, right. And even then, if your name, work name. is good, I can't say anything about your work. I just don't like you as a human being. Right. So who, who are, um, like, who are some of your favorite comedians working like now? Like that. You oh like gosh. Them? I mean, I know it's um, a gigantic list, but like, who, who yeah, run a bill or you, you know, a lineup, and you say, oh, I'm so psyched to see my friend blank. Oh my God. Well, I love Ted Alexandro. I've always loved Ted Alexandro. I love Yamanika Saunders. She's a good friend and, I sh and she's hilarious and fearless. Right. I love her. Absolutely. Uh, Aparna. I love Aparna too. She's amazing. Um, uh, Tom Segura, one of my absolute favorites. Yes. Obviously, I'm huge. I love Gabriel, Gabriel Iglesias. I mean, not just because we're friends, but that man's work ethic is something that everybody could learn from. I mean, the amount of specials that he puts out, the amount of work that he puts in, the level of ease that he entertains people with. Like he is so at home on stage, like getting a chance to watch him work was one of the most um, informative things. He, he has a very wide demo as an audience. Yes, I feel like yes, my, he I, does. Have, I have a couple teenagers and my oldest son is a big fluffy fan. Yeah, he has such a wide, I mean, so many people love him. He's traveled all over the world, but he's such a great person to just learn from. And so he's one of my favorites, too. Um, there's a lot of people, Josh Johnson, one of my favorites, too. Like, he's another New York guy. Yeah. Mike Vecchione, another New York guy. Like, you know, a lot of these people I just have the pleasure of working with. Right. Uh, 
that, you know, they come to places that I perform at. Like I, my first night at the cellar, when I passed at the comedy cellar, um, Louis C.K., Sarah Silverman, Chris Rock, and Whitney Cummings all came by to do sets. I don't know who any of those people are. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't sound that popular. I've never. Heard I don't, I'm sorry, Whitney. What now? <laughs> I don't. Uh, is she a porn star? No. Um, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was incredible. Lately, she might be. I don't know. I... <laughs> it was incredible to watch these people work. Like, just they're just going up to do to test stuff out. Yeah. To watch Chris Rock work out material, you just sit there and you're just in awe. And like, so I'm I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky to work with such amazingly talented people. Like the list could go on. Big J Okerson. Oh, <laughs> I love watching Big J. He is brilliant. Yeah, he's one of my brilliant favorite. with crowd work. Yeah. And he's and he's seated the whole time, pretty much. Yes, he's, he's <laughs> been that way since I first watched him perform. He's always been chill. He's always been up. To, it's a conversation. He's always been a natural. It's just he also un, unfair. He knew something was coming with a virus because he's been wearing that glove. Hilarious. For yeah, so long. forever. He's knew, been wearing that glove. Knew that something was coming and needed to protect his <laughs> his hands. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Now, so, go ahead, Nick. I was gonna say, speaking of specials, let's yes, talk well. about let's talk about your special. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so it's on Amazon Prime. It's mm-hmm. called "The Floor Is Lava." That's my latest baby. That's your latest baby, and then that other human baby you have. Well. I mean, he, I, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> I gotta say, baby. they're like so... twins. They came out at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was there for the taping. <laughs> I then saw it. It's weird so i gotta say you're spe- like we were just talking before about how uh you know specials you said you give it five minutes right yep, at least at least five minutes even if i hate your guts i will give you at least five minutes and see if i like your special yeah but it needs to it needs to hook you like let's yep. face it like now nowadays it's all like this which is unfortunate but it is what it is um yours immediately hooks you I got to say, I was watching it and on top of laughing, like obviously it's funny, um, but I had a, I noticed I had like a smile on my face the whole time just because the shit, like when people, it's easy to tell when someone is on stage and they're doing a character or they're like pretending to be something they're not, but with you, you're just telling stories and you could tell it's so genuine and like you. It's just all true that you're like, it makes me smile. Like when you reference how your husband's super white and he's from the Midwest, he's organic. Like that's like, that's the fucking, the Drake line. I could go on and on, but I just want to say that. And what's odd is I'm such a Drake fan too. Oh, so am I, but we got, come on. It's, he's an easy. I got a season. I call him my Canadian baby daddy. You know what? I, I saw that I immediately after I heard after I watched that bit of yours, I went to your Instagram to see if I could see it, find a, a photo just to like align with what I just had heard. And I there's one obviously there. You, you guys, your new baby. And I'm like, dead on. Like <laughs> That is yep. dead on. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. yep, yep How would yep. you guys meet? How did you and your husband meet? It's my favorite story. So <laughs> I was working on a cruise ship. Uh, and I had been single for like probably almost two years, maybe a little over two years. I had made terrible choices. Um, 
terrible choices. <laughs> I made dumb single girl choices that were selfish and stupid. And I had gotten myself into a position where I was like, you know what? I'm just unhappy with how I'm doing single life. So instead of doing it this way, I'm just going to let whatever happens, happens. Like I was ready to be a straight up hoe at that point. I was like, I'm just going to let whatever happens, happens. Cause I knew I was actually looking for a relationship, but like most people who self-sabotage all the time, I would gravitate towards people who were clearly not available. And that was something I, you know, you said psychologically, you set yourself up for failure all the time like that because you're like, this person's more attractive to me because they want nothing to do with me or because I shouldn't be chasing this person. Like you're just, you do things that are damaging like that so that, you know, all the ways we beat ourselves up in our, in our minds become true because we make certain choices to make them true. And so I was at a point where I had been in therapy um, for the, for the amount of time that I had been single um, cause I had gotten out of something really toxic. And I was at the point where I was like, I should not be looking for anything real right now. I should just be trying to enjoy my single life. And I get on this ship and I'm ready to be a full blown hoe. <laughs> for the first time in my life, I was like, I'm all, I'm a really hoe it up. Like I'm taking all applications. And <laughs> The okay, first day on this ship. Antibiotics, like there's a doctor. <laughs> all kinds of antibiotics. You're like, let's do this. Let's just do this. Let's, let's do get it. We're on the buffet and make it like go to town. <laughs> We're at sea. No rules here. So international waters. The first um, entertainers meeting we have. I go to this entertainers meeting, and sitting across from me is the most handsome man I've ever seen in my life. I instantly had a crush on him, and I was like, no. I already have a crush on day one (laughs) day one of my new whole life and so I had a crush on him right away um but I figured I thought he had a girlfriend because like he never flirted with anybody he was really like just he'd hang out with his boys he was super social which I am not which was like attractive for me because I'm the exact opposite. Like I'm not a social person. I'm such a homebody. I want to stay home. I get a lot of social anxiety and like big crowds. So I don't like bars. I don't like stuff like that, but he was the exact opposite. He would, you know, we would go to crew bar, which is where all the cruise ship employees hang out. And I'd see him with just a tray. He'd buy a tray of beers and just like go from table to table and like give them beers. Be like, hey guys, I bought beers. Like he was like the nice little Midwest boy, just giving beers away. And yeah. I'm like, what's this guy's deal? Like such a New Yorker, like, what are you doing? Why are you giving them beer? Do you know them? Uh, and like, we didn't really talk much, but like the first conversation we had, I remember thinking, I was like, oh my God, I look so cute. He's totally going to flirt with me. And he didn't. So I was like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> and uh, then one night he came to the show. I was doing a show because we shared a venue at the cruise ship. He was a dueling piano player and the comedy club is where they do dueling pianos. Right. So one night he actually got to see me perform because he was off and he, you know, he got to actually come to the show and he comes up to me with, you know, him and his, uh, the rest of the musicians That's and cool. they were a little tipsy. <laughs> And he was like, uh, I never got to see you perform before. You're so funny. And I, th- I think you're the, you're the most beautiful female comedian I've ever seen. And I was like, um, 
it's really specific, but thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it just went with beautiful. I would have taken that. Um, it's very specific, <laughs> but cool. And then like the whole night, we just talked. We talked about music. We talked because I love music. He's a musician. He loves comedy. I'm a comedian. So we just kind of exchanged our how much we love each other's profession kind of thing. And um, and then he invited like a bunch of people like back to his cabin. And at the end of the night, he told everybody to leave but me. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my moment. <laughs> <laughs> Success. It was like so cute because like the next day my brother was getting on the ship. This is the moment that sealed the deal. Ladies, listen, pay attention, pay attention, ladies. And gentlemen too, pay attention because this pay was attention. the move that hooked me. Because the next day I was like, oh man, I messed up. I really like this guy and I shouldn't have stayed in this cabin. I shouldn't have hold it up, blah, 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 right? All, you, all the things you beat yourself up about. <laughs> and so the next day my brother was getting on the ship and I wake up, you know, in Jeremy's cabin, my husband, and he's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, oh my God, my brother's getting on today. And like a good Midwest boy, he was like, is he going to be pissed that you stayed in my room? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like uh we're adults <laughs> and you're assuming i'm gonna tell him, tell him right <laughs> and so i was like i'm gonna go get my brother <laughs> so i left and i went to go get my brother told him immediately because we were very close <laughs> so of course i told him immediately i was like there's this guy and i really like him and i stayed in his room and you're gonna meet him tonight because i only have one show and so like that night jeremy was performing and he's on stage and I'm sitting at the bar with my brother and I look cute because I was wearing my favorite red dress. <laughs> and he gets up from his piano and he's starting a clap in the crowd. And I think he's just getting up to start a clap and to get everybody going, right? He walks over to the bar, mid clap, like getting everybody clap, walks right up to me before he even says anything to me, shakes my brother's hand and goes, you must be Gina's brother. It's very nice to meet you. Then he kisses me on the cheek and goes back on the stage. I could, I might as well have just passed out right now. I was like, oh. <laughs> I literally, I was like, okay. Dude, what a right. baller ass move. Right? Right? My, I have goosebumps. I was like, like oh. Oh my. Only, only thing better is if he would have handed your brother a block of Wisconsin cheese. Yes. I made this for you in my cabin. Like, <laughs> <Whittle> this. <laughs> this is from my homeland. <laughs> it's from my homeland for your people. Uh, it was amazing. And it, it was just after that, we were just, we were just inseparable. And yeah. And How now we married. married. Uh, that's a great question. Four years. Oh, good. I was like, let me do the math. One, two, three. I would, I would, I thought you were going to count out months. We were been married four months. <laughs> <laughs> now we've been married four years. Uh, we got married in 2017. Uh, we met in 2015. Uh, so, what cruise line's responsible for this? Uh, Norwegian. This? Norwegian Cruise Lines is responsible for me meeting my husband. So, if you like Norwegian Cruise Lines, people. If you like white guys from the Midwest, take Norwegian. Get on a Norwegian cruise. Chances <laughs> are they're playing in the du dueling piano room. Uh, yeah, it was that's that's the cruise line. That was the first cruise line I ever did, and I was just like, and it was the longest cruise I had ever done. The one that I met my husband on, I was doing like um like a month or almost a month, 
and it was insane that's the longest amount of time i I went stir crazy like called my therapist had like a total breakdown i was like i can't do this anymore Yeah, yeah, that was like it's nuts. Cabin fever really becomes such a thing when you work on cruise ships. You're just like, I've never, do? I've never been on a cruise, and I have no desire to ever be on one. I, I actually know. like, I enjoy cruises. I've been, I've only been on a few, but yeah. the the last one I went on, I I actually had probably one of the most like gross food experiences that I could imagine really? having not that anything I ate it had nothing to do with what I ate but we we're on the pool deck on one of these massive like 20 story boats right so everywhere you go on these boats there's food somewhere like a cove with a buffet of nachos yep so I go in I'm like all right I'm just gonna go pick up a quick something to eat I'm hungry and there's a guy in front of me that I mean I, I'm no disrespect to any guy that has a lot of body hair nick um <laughs> but this exactly. guy had more body hair on him than any human being i've ever seen in my life and he was where he had to be european wearing the tightest smallest bikini bathing suit right i've seen it i've seen it before he you know he had just he's like dripping wet with water and sweat and just nothing else just that at the food line scooping cheese and nachos into like a plate and i i was so disgusted yeah you were (laughs) like all right how much of this guy's hair is coming off into the nacho cheese all right christmas future i'm gonna get away from the i left and i didn't need (laughs) you you frightened me now Uh, and it's still in it burned in my in my mind (laughs) so before we wrap we we still have to talk about your podcast Yes, mess in progress. We like to call it a homegirl's guide to self-help. I um, was going to call it a sound homegirl advice podcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 100%. We, um, me and my girlfriend, Catherine, whom I love dearly, uh, we decided to start a podcast together. And it was so funny because Catherine was originally just supposed to be the producer. And then she came in in the beginning stages of the podcast. And I was like, there's just something missing here. Like, I was like, there's something like, there was, there was a banter that was missing. And she was like, well, let me jump on, on with you for like an episode. And it was literally like, why didn't we think to do this from the start? Like we organically have such a good back and forth. We love each other. Um, at, at the same time, we're so very different. We literally like come from two different generations. And she's just one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And one of the funniest people I've ever met. And we get to talk about all of the things that make us messes, that make us hot <laughs> messes. And uh, people write into the show. So we get to do our Dear Gina segment where people actually write in like a Dear Abby kind of way. And it's just been such a fun ride. And it's evolved so nicely from the beginning to what it is now. And awesome. what um, you guys have been doing it for what, like a year, year or so? I want to say we've been doing it probably, yeah, probably about like maybe a year, two years tops. Right. And what do you guys besides just doing what you're doing? Do you have any plans to do anything else with it? Like we want to do a live show. One hundred percent. We want to. We would love to do a live show. That would be amazing. Um, We actually had the two the two women that do um, I Mom So Hard. They have a podcast that they do. And we had them on and we were talking about their uh, live show that they did for Amazon. 
and we had both watched it and it was so funny it was so great and it was so interactive like their audiences were really into the show so great so i would love to do something like that we would definitely look forward to doing something along those lines even what we saw i did the um two dope queens when they did their live show i did their live show and that was so fun so that's definitely a goal of ours for sure yeah we did that's that's literally like the last cool thing I don't want to say it was like it was like three weeks before the world shut down. Yeah, so we we did a live show at a theater out here, and it it was a really big undertaking that I definitely you know Nick was telling me the whole time he's like we're doing too much you got too much lined up on this show like we're never gonna be able to get all this stuff in and do it in two hours and I'm like don't worry about it it's fine we're gonna have a roast battle we're gonna have a live band we're gonna have six comedians we're gonna me and you're gonna interview everybody and I was so fucking nervous not that the show wasn't going to come up because I was, I knew that I had put together a good show for us. I was more nervous that like nobody was going to show up. Yeah. That's nerve wracking. That's a nerve wracking thing about a live show. You're like, how many people are, are we going to be do this, doing this for like three people? Right. Yeah. And yeah. yeah Greg, Greg was in a full panic. It was so annoying. Let's how many people honest. did you get? We got like, yeah. Like little, right up, right on like 197 people. And it's a, wow. And it's a 225 seat. That's awesome. That is awesome. And it's funny because like I I was, I was in a full on panic, like, dude, we're not selling tickets. Like I'm nervous. And we were selling tickets the whole time, but like any event, you know, unless it's like the Rolling Stones, people don't really buy tickets that Yeah, yeah. So like a week before I'm like, dude, it looks like we're going to have a good crowd. I think we sold like 60 tickets. And I was like, psyched. I'm like, if we get 70 people, 75 people, I'll be really happy. And then it just kept going and, go- and I'm like, holy shit, dude, like this is almost sold out. Like who are these people? And That's then so awesome. like, before the show started, I walked out into like the front area of the theater before people started filtering in. And it unbelievably like I knew only a handful of people so somehow people like came out to like on purpose see our show which was the most flattering thing yeah you know that's awesome the show and we had a good time it's it's certainly an awesome experience and then then the world shut down yeah then the world yeah. was like that's all you got <clears throat> I remember because usually like you know when you do stand up you do your set and you get off that's it yeah. right so I knew I was a full panic already just because like I have to be on the whole time for yeah, like two hours. You know what I mean. I would probably be like, "Don't slouch, don't pick at your butt, don't." Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you're like, don't do all that that stuff that you involuntarily do. Like, what if you wipe your nose too many times? And they're like, "Do you have a coke problem?" Like, just be aware. <laughs> no, I was too. I was too hyper, like focused on what I, I was doing. I, I come out like we were sponsored by a beer company, like a beer brewery out here that sponsored the show. And I walked out on stage with three cans of beer. I put them up on my little table where I had my mixing board and I completely missed the table and they fell. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> then you just got to go with it. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like, there was the show was about to start. This is this is what got me. The show was about to start. And at the end, Greg had this nice thing planned because he had some friends and it was like his friend's wife's birthday. And it was also my friend's wife's birthday as well. And at the end, there the band was gonna play, bring a cake out. The show didn't even start yet, and I'm just like sitting there, side stage, freaking out. And Greg's like, "All right, so at the end, we're gonna do the cake." And I'm like, "Shut the fuck up about the cake. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Shut up. <laughs> Who gives a fuck about the cake? Like, and I, <laughs> this is all. I was, I, enough. Like, we didn't even, <laughs> and, and then to be honest, 
Nobody gave a shit about the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. It's a fucking Nick is cake. Like, say one more thing about that cake. Say that was it. He could have said thing. he could have said anything else to me at that point, and it would have been cool. But like he was like, <laughs> so like just I was like, the the cake? The fucking cake. Okay. Great. That's two hours from now. Let's fucking just hope it goes well for the first two hours. Then we can worry about the fucking cake. Honestly, the cake was the only thing I was ner- really nervous about the whole time. I was like, "Wow, What's wrong with you? I got this cake. It's my friend's He's birthday. God, let them let the, the cake grow. Like we gotta sing happy birthday. I had this whole big thing planned. <laughs> Not that we were on stage for two and a half hours. Anyway, so this was awesome. Like we're both big fans. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, I told a bunch of people about your special. You remind me so much of my cousin. She's fucking, she's not a stand-up. She's fucking hilarious. And like, <laughs> I told her, I was like, you need to watch this special. I just texted her and her husband. So. By the way, you oh guys, God, when, you. when you do your like little white girl impersonation and Nick does his little white girl impersonation, you guys need to do a TikTok together. <laughs> you're all over TikTok. Nick's trying to get on TikTok. We get the same white girl. It, it's, it's, I mean, except he's got, you know all that facial hair and no yeah hair. um so it's very it's girls i know not just white girls <laughs> girls i know you guys should do it you should yeah this is, this is what my aunts look like they look like this <laughs> in, in giant jerseys yeah in new york Giants jerseys uh anyway really appreciate it this was a ton of fun hopefully we'll get a chance to see you in person sometime soon since we're all relatively local and when things open back up we're actually doing shows out here um on the smaller side for now uh we did partner with stand up new york on some stuff that we're going to be doing so awesome see you at one of those i hope so yeah Uh, yeah and nick uh send her some of your worst sets so she can critique them Okay, I only have like a handful. I'll send you the good stuff. Send me the good one. Okay. All right, Gina, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the baby. And hopefully you're getting sleep and you and your husband uh, get out in some more uh, cruises soon. Hopefully, we'll see. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. I had a really good time. Thanks, guys. Bye.